0: Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Our guest today is Dr. John Gartner. He's a psychologist, professor at John Hopkins University, author, editor of numerous books, and the founder of an organization called Duty to Warn. Thank you for joining us this morning, Dr. How are you?
1: I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: I've I've been going through some of your books, and I did watch Unfit, and it just... Mm -hmm. Really piqued my interest. About is there a common thread yeah. between leaders, the people who feel a need to you know get into the public eye mm-hmm. like that?
1: Well, uh, Trump is cut from a certain cloth. Uh, it was first identified by a famous psychoanalyst uh, who himself, uh, Eric Frome, who himself escaped the Nazis and tried to understand the psychology of these kinds of deadly, maniacal leaders. And he came up with a diagnosis called malignant narcissism. And malignant narcissism has four components. Narcissism, of course, but also paranoia. All of Trump's conspiracy theories, his constant feeling that he's being uh, victimized. Uh, Antisocial personality disorder, in other words, people who lie uh, and break laws and exploit and violate the rights of others and feel no guilt about it. And finally, sadism, people who really take pleasure in harming or humiliating uh, other people. That that personality characteristic is common in in people like Hitler, Saddam Hussein, um, a whole series of maniacal leaders. But this type of leadership is very destructive uh, to any country, and uh, they're, they're very dangerous.
0: So, is something like this something that can be cured? Is there you know any type of a treatment
1: that's an excellent question It's actually such a severe personality disorder that it's considered uncurable and untreatable. Uh, my mentor, uh, Otto Kernberg, is the most famous person in this particular diagnosis, uh, and his advice to us as therapists is if we realize a patient has malignant narcissism, uh, discontinue the treatment, and run away <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's stay safe <laughs> so yeah, that makes sense. Um, tell our listeners about yeah. your organization, Duty to warn. Because I think it's fascinating. We were talking a couple of weeks ago about the Goldwater Rule, and I don't think that would even apply today with all the social media and everything available.
1: Well, uh, you know, it it happened very spontaneously. Uh, I put a petition uh, saying that for mental health professionals online, saying that Trump should be removed because he was unfit, and this was actually very soon after the inauguration. And we got 75,000 signatures. It was supposed to be just for mental health professionals, but a lot of other people signed as well. But it helped galvanize a group of mental health professionals. We ended up editing a book, The Dangerous Case of Donald Trump, that actually became a bestseller, which as an author to me is quite shocking because it's very rare for professional books to be bestsellers, but it's almost unheard of for an edited book to become a bestseller. But it was a bestseller because it, it basically addressed a gap that was there in the public's imagination. There was a vacuum. They wanted to understand. They knew there was something wrong with this guy. But nobody was talking about it. No one was explaining it to them because of the Goldwater Rule. Um, the Goldwater rule, which most of your listeners probably haven't heard of, and they, they can be forgiven for that. It's pretty obscure. Uh, it was, a, But actually, uh, Arizona had a place in this uh, origin. Uh, when Barry Goldwater was running for president, uh, there was a magazine now defunct called Fact Magazine that published an article saying that Barry Goldwater was uh, emotionally unstable, according to uh, the opinion of psychiatrists. They'd taken some kind of poll of psychiatrists. And um, uh, Barry Goldwater sued them. Uh, and he won the suit, uh, claiming that it was defamation of character. Uh, as a matter of fact, even the, Barry Golder was not emotionally unstable. Just that's important, actually, to add. Um, and uh, and the magazine also did not even report the results, honestly. But it embarrassed the American Psychiatric Association. And so they established a rule saying you shouldn't be diagnosing um, uh, public figures unless you've interviewed them yourself. And gotten their permission. Um, Actually, I interviewed the last living person who was on that ethics committee that made that choice. And what he explained to me, and this was consistent with my understanding, is the Goldwater Rule originally was not meant to be a gag order on all mental health professionals, on all public figures. In, in the case of the Goldwater situation, this is before we had the DSM-3. You've probably heard of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual that has all of our diagnoses. Right. The, what, the, big, the big innovation of the DSM-3 is that it operationalized um, all of the diagnoses and that it made, created observable behaviors that you could observe and that people could reliably form diagnoses on. Before that diagnosis was kind of in the hands of the psychoanalysts. So the people that were writing it about Barry Goldwater were saying he was a, a latent homosexual, or he was in love with his mother, or um, he had uh, you know, potty issue training. So it was very speculative. And that was part of what embarrassed the American Psycho- the Psychiatric Association. Nowadays, You know, it's very easy if you want to ask me, does Donald Trump meet the criteria for antisocial personality disorder? Well, let's see. The first criteria is frequently lies. Donald Trump's the most documented liar in human history. Prove me wrong show me one other person in all of recorded human history who's told more lies than Donald Trump. So it's not hard to check the boxes, you know what I mean? Those are very clear, observable behaviors. So we felt, um, number one, that now with the DSM, we certainly have the basis for making a credible diagnosis. But more importantly, uh, there was a moral issue here, which is that we saw him as a danger to the population. And now we know, of course, much better what a danger he was. And it was because of our psychological understanding that we were able to see in advance just how dangerous and destructive he could be. And there is a principle in our field called the duty to warn, hence the name of our movement, that, for example, if you think a patient of yours might harm somebody, you have a duty to call that person and warn them, uh, based on the case of someone who didn't do that and someone who got killed. Um, So we felt like if you have a duty to warn one person, because they might be in danger, what about 300 million people? So we felt that we had an ethical duty to warn and that we could not be silent. Even if it was breaking the law, we would do it anyway, because there was a higher law.
0: Does the duty to warn uh, apply to people outside of your industry of psychiatrists? Shouldn't people, if they see something and they feel this is, you know...
1: Right, like the, like the law enforcement tells us, if you see something, say, say something, something, right? right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think at some level it's basically a human responsibility. You know what I mean? Uh, when they, they always say, when people talk about the Holocaust, and the Holocaust very much informed my uh, view of this situation and what I felt ethically I was required to do, is that, you know, that people describe the Holocaust as one-third of the nation being murdered by another third of the nation while another third of the nation stands by and does nothing. Uh, when there is a rising fascism when there is a rising tyrant to do nothing is to do something wrong
0: yeah you're part of it you're part of it exactly i liked your analogy about the the chimpanzees can you explain to yeah. our listeners how that that worked because once you got to that portion in in the um in the video your documentary it was like oh i, I get it I understand what he's saying. Can you explain that to our
1: listeners? I, I, I'm, I'm glad you like that part. I didn't know if they were going to put that in the film. Um, so it's very interesting. When I was uh, doing research for one of my other books, um, you know, we think of human beings as being the only species that commits murder, but that's actually not true. We're most closely related to chimpanzees. We share 98% of their DNA. And chimpanzees are normally, you know, when we think of chimpanzees, we think of, um, you know, those uh, wonderful pictures of people being in the colony and them being so human and being so uh, relatable. And they are, uh, and within the, within the group, you do know about dominance behavior, right? How the alpha males will compete with each other, but they don't actually hurt each other. So they beat their chests and they throw you know, rocks up in the air and they, and they pound the ground to try to beat dominant to lead the troop, but nobody actually gets hurt. They call it display behavior. But then what they discovered later is that when there's two troops, in this case, the troop was so big that it it, it split into two, now they're competing groups. Now you're observing between-group behavior. And what happens is one alpha male gets very excited and whips the other males into a frenzy and leads them to the other territory, where they systematically, one at a time, kill the males of the other troop until they're able to take over their territory and their females. So basically... If you're a chimpanzee, you really have two choices. Either you follow your alpha leader to basically destroy the other group, or it'll be done to you. And when we talk about tribalism and how uh, a demagogue, right, what a demagogue does is he activates that early chimpanzee brain uh, and makes people feel like, hey, we're under attack by the other group. And so if we don't strike back, we're going to be destroyed. And once you activate that programming, almost anything you do, um, any war crime you commit to the other side is justifiable, because it's in self-defense. And that's what a demagogue does, he splits a society apart. So Hitler did it with the Jews, um, Milosevic did it with the Serbs, You know, with the, uh, with the Muslims. Um, you have a, a society where different minorities are integrated, and then you say, no, this minority is actually attacking us, they're trying to destroy us, and unless we destroy them, we will be destroyed. And so that tribalistic uh, message resonates with our very primitive programming and that's how these types of leaders are essentially able to exploit that vulnerability in our programming as it were to seize power. Did you
0: see I know you wrote a book about Bill Clinton were any of these yeah. characteristics in observed in Bill Clinton?
1: He didn't have this personality type. Um, he did have narcissism, of course. One of the things that was, I think, the most revealing about my research, Bill Clinton, is that I think he has hypomania, which is a mildly manic temperament that explains a lot of his behavior. But we see that mildly manic temperament in um, leaders uh, in business in particular, but in all kinds of areas, including politics. These are people who have an extraordinary amount of energy, energy, and confidence, and charisma, and creativity, um, and they inspire people. But they also have problems with impulsivity. They, they have trouble controlling their impulses. Of course, he had trouble controlling his sexual impulses, famously. But he had trouble controlling other impulses too. He would lose his temper. He would overeat. He would. Um, he sort of had ADD. He had trouble. He would schedule three things for the same time and get them all confused. So. Um, he really had a lot of strengths from his hypomania, but he also had a lot of weaknesses and vulnerabilities.
0: Are there any presidents or politicians in the past that you can think of? I always wondered about Lyndon Johnson, LBJ.
1: <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like... Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, LBJ was also very uh, narcissistic, and um, he I believe he was also hypomanic, and he was also hypersexual. Um, and, uh, you know, he was obviously, we know, he could be very aggressive uh, and he certainly knew how to use power. But I don't think we have ever in you know, this country had any president that had, of, of any party, of any political stripe, of any ideological belief. I, this transcends ideology. This isn't about policy. Uh, we have been blessed in this country never to have had a, you know, a Hitler or a Mussolini type leader before. Uh, but we have now
0: okay we've we've got a caller that wants to know how can you diagnose somebody without actually seeing him visiting him?
1: Well, and I know right. you well actually we've all seen him uh, he's been we've been observing his behavior now for years. I often say, I know more about Donald Trump than I do about my own patients because I've spent more time observing him, observing his behavior, and also reading the reports of other people who have observed his behavior. In psychiatry, we do take uh, as valid uh, information, information from informants. So if a patient is brought to the hospital, we will talk to the mother, the father, the husband, the sister, right, to learn things about their behavior. Well, we now have dozens of memoirs from people that served in the Trump administration that are essentially um, reinforcing what we already observed for ourselves. We now know That, you know, though duty to warn may have called for the invocation of the 25th Amendment in uh, 2017, uh, in 2021 and 2022, members of his own cabinet were discussing invoking the 25th Amendment. So uh, the people who knew him the best and observed him the most closely saw these destructive behaviors that we were also able to observe in the media.
0: Yeah, I don't think I've ever um, experienced any one politician having so many books written about him.
1: I mean, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was yeah.
0: just pretty amazing. But, <laughs> they're all bad.
1: I mean, not the books are bad. I mean, they're all all the information is everything we learn just reinforces our our worst fears.
0: What about the people who you know they're they're doing this committee um, in the, the mm-hmm. hearings, and there are people yeah. who just flat refuse to even watch it. Right. What's up with that type of follower?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we we have another film coming out uh, called Hashtag Untruth, and it's about the phenomena that you're talking about. About a third of this country is brainwashed, and and I use that um, literally as a technical term. Uh, We have propaganda works, uh, and propaganda pumped through social media and through um, organs like Fox News. Basically, a third of the country could be convinced that the moon is made of green cheese. It isn't. Have Tucker Carlson say it enough times. (laughs) We'll talk after the show. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the problem, which is that propaganda is is extraordinarily powerful, and this is actually, I think, the greatest threat to American democracy of of anything more than any one man or one party. That, That having perfected propaganda, it means that you can control a third of the population if you can control their minds and control what reality is for them then you can seize political power
0: wow this is this is pretty impressive i always categorize so you know this is before presidency or anything i remember years ago i watched the first time i ever saw donald trump was on either carson or letterman and he came on as a substitute because the guest didn't show up and he was down the street yeah. And he was always willing to talk about himself. And I think it was Johnny Carson who said Mm -hmm. he's always willing to talk about himself. So he comes on and entertains. (laughs) And after the show, I was just like, my God, he's such a pompous ass. But, you know, (laughs) nothing's changed. But I always categorized him like, um, you know, business-wise as a a Bernie Madoff and socially as a Jeffrey Epstein And I kind of put him in those categories. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. I mean, you know, uh, you know, every one of his businesses has failed. Uh, but the other thing is, he's one of those people that would rather be crooked than honest. It's, you know, uh, like he'll tell a lie when the truth will do. Uh, you know, it makes me laugh when people are saying, well, how can we, you know, prove Donald Trump's criminal intents? You know, well, first of all, we have scads and scads of evidence. But I don't think he's ever had an intent that wasn't criminal. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right um how does he compare you know you're talking about Hitler and I know you said you'd never stop comparing him to Hitler and how about Putin I always thought he wanted Putin's um approval because of the way he behaved in front of sure. Putin and Mussolini how about these other leaders how does well,
1: he um, I think Putin is- well, yes, and I would put Putin in that category uh, as well. Although I think with Putin, it's a special case because he more than wanted Putin's approval. He had been, he had really been part of the Russian mob before he ran for president, and Putin really was part of the team that got him to run. I mean, this is a true uh, Manchurian candidate situation. Um, he had been trying to get Putin's approval, trying to get a Moscow, uh, get a you know a Trump Tower in Moscow. Uh, and he'd been laundering money for the Russians. I mean why do you think Russia, why do you think half of the apartments in Trump Tower are you know had been sold to Russians at exorbitant prices Because buying real estate's a great way to launder money uh, so the problem is he was already in the Russian mob when he ran for president, and every single thing that he has done has been what a Putin puppet would do uh, including the way he embarrassed himself at Helsinki, which I think is part of what you're referring to but you know trying to stop sanctions uh, bringing them to the Oval Office uh, Lord knows you know wanting to have a joint cybersecurity team with them when they're the ones who are hacking our cyber cybersecurity I mean we can go on but I think it's really important to see that the fact that they were able to cover this up and say Russia hoax Russia hoax I mean We're not just talking about being above the law or committing a crime. We're talking about a president committing treason, a president working for the enemy. This is the greatest crime in the history of the United States, and they managed to cover it up.
0: Do you think anything will happen as far as, uh, you know, the DOJ?
1: Well, that's an excellent question. Um, You know, first of all, Fannie Willis is going to indict him first (laughs) because, She in Georgia, she has been um, uh, serious about this from the very beginning. I've been very, very uh, shaky on Merrick Garland. Uh, You know, I think he's a little too close to the Federalist Society. But I think that the January 5th committee, frankly, has embarrassed him to the point where now he has to play catch up, because if he doesn't start investigating these people, it looks like he's actually complicit. So would he have gotten there anyway on his own? I'm actually skeptical. But now I'm hopeful that um, that he will do the right thing.
0: I think if they don't do something, they've created a slippery slope that you know anybody coming yeah. in afterwards yeah.
1: can really exactly. do
0: their own thing, and that's kind of scary too. You know, we've, yeah, got, coup, we've got if
1: an attempted coup is uh, is, uh, is allowed, then then everybody's going to be doing it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then then people know it's uh, you can get away with it.
0: So, do you think the Twenty Fifth Amendment should have been in, used?
1: actually yes i mean i think that he actually met the criteria he was unfit to carry out the duties of presidents of president of the presidency because of his uh mental disorder um his personality disorder and you know he also had some hypomania and some ADD. but that malignant narcissism rendered him unfit and of course at first it might not have seemed obvious we saw it because we understood the implications of that diagnostic category. We knew that someone who was that twisted in that way would have to wreak havoc with our country. But as it became to pass and people began to see it, it became more and more apparent. Apparently, hashtag 25 was a common um, hashtag among White House employees all through his presidency. It was like (laughs) an inside joke. I didn't know that.
0: Why do you think Mike Pence didn't do it? wouldn't he be the one to invoke it?
1: Why didn't he do it? Um, Well, because he's a principalist chicken. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, you know, but I want to, being a pants basher, I do want to give him credit for what he did on January 6th. A lot of people don't want to give him credit because, they don't like my Pence, and I understand that. But it would have been when you realize from the January sixth hearings how much pressure he was under. Yeah, I mean Trump really threatened him. You know, I, I love the the language he uses. He really talks like a mob boss because you know if you don't do this, I'm not going to be so we're not going to be friends anymore. You know, uh, <laughs> that's the way a mob boss talks. When he's like going to put a hit on you, and he really put a hit on on, on Pence.
0: No, uh, I think know, what crap, he did was pretty. In the
1: interest of killing him.
0: Yeah, I think what he did was pretty brave, and the fact that he didn't want to leave the area to give everybody right. the satisfaction that was that was pretty remarkable. So hats yes, off that to that would have been Mike very Pence. easy
1: for him to do, right? And Absolutely. everyone got him in, the, in the car but him, and and then they all have to get out because he refused. So I want to give him credit for that.
0: Yeah, no doubt. So why do you think so many politicians are afraid of Trump? I mean, they'll they'll say in one one respect they'll say, "Oh, we're not going to." vote to impeach him and then five minutes later they're at a microphone saying you know what he did was wrong well and then two weeks later or two days later they're at the yeah. um, mar-a-lago kissing butt i don't get it
1: well you know machiavelli said it's better to be feared than loved <laughs> okay so why 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 are they afraid of
0: him because he likes to make fun yeah. of people
1: well, because, well, I don't I don't think they're that uh, lame, but because uh, his attacks then uh, will sick the voters on them. Uh, they'll lose. They'll be called rhinos. They'll be primaried, uh, and they'll lose their offices. Uh, so they're um, they're being selfish, you know, and being careerists, and putting their own not only putting party above country, they're putting their own career above country. Because Trump does have the power still in the Republican Party to torpedo you
0: yeah that's too bad <laughs> i just you know yeah. there are some things that i just don't pay attention to as far as stuff like that i'm going to make my own decision i'm we're going to mm-hmm. take a quick break when we come back we're going to talk about term limits and the uh, the um supreme court we're going to talk about everything hang in there
1: 4400 block of South 7th Avenue at 10 p.m. on July 23rd, 2021. If you have security cameras, you just might have a tip that will help solve the murder that took place there. To stay anonymous, use 88 Crime and upload your video. Si estabas o tienes cámaras de seguridad en la área de 4400 Sur de
0: la 7 Avenida a las 10 de la tarde, 23 de julio de 2021, Es posible que tengas información que resuelva el homicidio que tuvo lugar ahí. Thanks for staying with us. Our guest today is Dr. John Gartner, psychologist, professor at John Hopkins University, an author and an editor of numerous books, and the founder of the organization called Duty to Warn. This is actually voting season i don't know it's i guess it's different in every state but right now people are are voting what should people look for and listen for when they're thinking of uh, somebody to put into office any office
1: well i think right now um it's pretty well known that democracy is really on life support uh what changed with trump and this is a really could be a fatal change for our country, is. now, one party is not really committed to democracy anymore. I think what's happened is the Republican Party has come to the conclusion that because of the demographic changes in our country, young people who are liberal coming into the voting pool, uh, immigrants and brown people becoming a larger portion of the population, that demographically a party that tries to be play identity politics for white Christian nationalism is going to have a very mi- a minority appeal. Therefore, the only way they can win is to cheat. So, therefore, they need to destroy uh, uh, or manipulate uh, democracy in order to maintain power because they can't win a fair fight.
0: I heard, I read yesterday or the day before that um, they actually are creating a third party. Did you see that?
1: I'd heard about that, that Andrew Yang is talking about creating a third party. I don't know that much about his efforts or how successful it will be or whether it's going to draw more Democratic voters or Republican voters. I, it, it, third parties traditionally have had a very bad effect. True, <laughs> true. Uh, but um, So I'm a little bit anxious about it, but I don't know that much about how it's going to play out.
0: How do you think, and we're talking both parties, uh, Democrats and Republicans, how do you think they've yes. changed over the years? Because I remember and i was visiting with a friend uh last week we were in pine top and and talking about how things used to be politically you'd have um yeah. your representatives would come in in you know in chicago it was bug house square they'd come in in both sides would be there and they'd talk what are the issues what do you need and they'd work it out they'd work it out so that there's a, a solution mm-hmm. to whatever the problem is But now it's like, you know, they draw a line in the sand and say, don't cross that sand. They act like gang members, you know, the Bloods and the Crips. Here we go.
1: (laughs) You're absolutely right. And, And, you know, people like me and you who are old enough to remember how it used to be, it's really quite sad. Because, yes, the parties were competitors, but they had a joint interest in the success of the country. Exactly. Right. So, 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 in other words, you say, you know, politics ends at the water's edge, meaning that, you know, when we're facing foreign, foreign powers, you know, we have to stick together as one nation. Or the idea that when a president of the other party won election, you know, we all try to come together to make that person's presidency successful. Exactly. Um, because if that president is successful, our country is successful. And even if we didn't vote for them, we still want them to succeed. Now it's a death match. If if the president, you know, if the Democratic president is for a policy, even if it's like giving you know medical care to veterans, <laughs> right? Exactly. If, if if Biden is for it, I'm a it, you know.
0: <laughs> and that that's really sad. That whole yeah philosophy that you know it's it's us against you. And how do you think we can fix this? Put new people in office.
1: <laughs> well. I feel and interesting that this is, you know, showed dedicated to law enforcement. Until we really have accountability, until the people that committed these crimes—and it's a really a large group—until uh, they are criminally held accountable, um, we're not going to have a, a cleanse. We're not going to have a purge. In fact, what we just said it's actually reinforcing uh, the criminal behavior and saying, "No, do it, do it more, and next time do it better." Um, you know, and and this is very wide and very deep. Um, you know, for example. What's in, the, in the, the breaking news of this morning is that we find out that Joseph Kufari, uh, who some of you in Arizona may know, he used to be an advisor to Doug Ducey, uh, you know, Trump fired five inspector generals, six inspector generals in five weeks and replaced them all with partisan flunkies in order to decapitate the oversight uh, of what he was doing. So, you know, we know that Kufari, we know that the Secret Service, quote, lost the text. Right, of what took place on January 5th and January 6th. Kufari was the new inspector general, you know, uh, in place, the partisan one. Uh, he didn't get those uh, texts. Uh, then he didn't tell Congress that he didn't get them. And now we just found out that there had been an attempt to recover the uh, old texts immediately after they were erased, and he um, countermanded that order. So Joseph Kufari is part of the cover up. He is part of the insurrection. And that's what Donald Trump did. He put loyalists in place at key places in the government who would actually support his attempt to overthrow the government. And these people are still in government. Joseph Kufari still has a job. In my view, he should be fired, he should be investigated, and ultimately he should be prosecuted.
0: Yeah, I think um, the number was like almost 500 people went through the White House system under Trump. And, you know, if you didn't declare your loyalty to him, not the Constitution, mm-hmm. you're out the door. Right. And right. I just found that so remarkable. You didn't know, you know, in the morning somebody would have a job. By noon, they were they were gone.
1: <laughs> it was yep, crazy. Yep. Well, and, and Well, and the amount of turnover in his administration was unheard of uh unprecedented, but it's very precedented for autocratic regimes. You know, um Stalin or you know, <laughs> Stalin had like twenty, you know, ministers of defense and, you know, every time he'd get the, the suspicious of one, he'd have them murdered. You know, so it's like the joke was who wants to be the eighteenth Minister of Defense? Yeah, you know? <laughs> but That's he killed me. the first seventeen. <laughs> but in other words, what happens with these autocratic movements is people who have integrity people who have expertise eventually will come into some sort of conflict with the leader right they'll have to say no at some point or that's crazy or that'll be destruct and then they're eliminated and so um, you know I wasn't that uh, fond of the first Secretary of State um, blocking his name now the one that was friendly with Russia the Exxon guy but then he was gotten rid of and we get Pompeo you know so we who will who will you know I think say or do anything and so what happens is if you're not sufficiently corrupt to be malleable by the leader, then you will be eliminated. And, and they keep going through people until he really gets like a concentrate, right, of the most corrupt uh, people, and those are the ones who will remain. And that's just a, a normal progression for an autocratic uh, movement.
0: So there was some normalcy here. That's awesome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was normally abnormal, right? It was following the normal steps of abnormality, right? <laughs>
0: what about Rudy Giuliani? He used to be, you
1: know, like the, the, the. I know.
0: What happened? And now he can't even yeah, practice law. I grew up law. in New York.
1: I, yeah, I grew up in New York, and I remember uh, liking Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor. Uh, if you right. grew up in New York like I did, you, you grew up in a lot of crime. You know, I, I, I grew up in the fear of crime. You know, I was robbed many times, my family was robbed. Uh, so when Giuliani came in and cleaned things up, I really appreciated it. But one of the things about Trump is he corrupts everyone and everything that he touches. You know, Rick Wilson wrote this great book called Everything That Trump Touches Dies. <laughs> and it, it's. <laughs> and so, you know, t- people are intoxicated by power and they they tell themselves stories to justify a deal with the devil. And then, you know, once you've made a deal with the devil, you know, you're all in and you're kind of stuck. So I'm not feeling sorry for Rudy Giuliani, but I think at some point he sold his integrity for, you know, power and, and, and fame and money and, uh, uh and once you once you know once you're with the mob you can't say well i'll commit that crime but i won't commit that other crime uh if you're in you're in
0: yeah you have no choice what about a, i can't think cohen his other attorney who did go to yeah. prison right what you know, you know i feel sorry yeah, for him yeah, too yeah, it, in a way
1: yeah he, we've actually been in contact with him a little bit you know Can someone explain to me how Michael Cohen goes to jail because he committed a crime at the direction and for the benefit of individual one, exact quote, but individual one goes scot-free? I I don't understand that. He was just the bag man.
0: Yeah, they, you know. Doing Trump's will. Al Capone, you know, all the, the mob leaders, they were held accountable. Well, not all of them, but they were held accountable because it was at their direction.
1: Right, right. So I don't get the disconnect there. And part of the problem is, you know, we have America has ADD, right? Our our attention span is very limited. But also, Trump is such a one man crime spree, that it's impossible to actually keep all of his crimes in your mind at one time. So (laughs) he's so busy criming that we forget about 10 crimes ago, you know, like, oh, yeah, Michael Cohen, right? Yeah, what happened with that? Yeah,
0: (laughs) it's true. What about the people on the Supreme Court? I mean, there's been a lot of talk lately with things that are going on there and how they got there. You know, I -hmm. I always thought if you lied to the Senate, that was a felony. And, you know, you were going to be held accountable for that. Apparently not.
1: No, apparently, no actually apparently lying is a very smart strategy because then it's like nan 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 nah, now you can't touch <laughs> me. <laughs> and true. <laughs> so but, it, you know the the again, you know the lying is part of a larger scheme, okay, which is that uh, the Federalist Society, you know, has been had a 20-year You know, uh, alliance with uh, the the conservatives to pack the Supreme Court with their people, with their operatives. Uh, And we know that the process was corrupt by which they were, you know, chosen, uh, both the fact that they lied, let's start there, about Roe v. Wade and about their view of precedent, which we now realize they don't care about at all, Um, but also, uh, you know, the fact that. The, the investigation of Kavanaugh was a joke. You know, first we discovered he had uh, pro- most probably committed all of these sexual crimes, um, and they weren't going to investigate him. And finally, Susan Collins makes a big show of, yes, he must be investigated, but the FBI has given very strict limitations as to what they can investigate. They never even interviewed people who were on the TV saying, yes, I saw him do this, or he did this. Uh, but the, the FBI interviewed No, they've never come. I called them. They won't call me back. You know, so that was a, a sham investigation, you know, by uh, Christopher Ray, also a member of the Federalist Society. Um, so there's that. But also, if you knew more about the history of these people, you would be a little aghast. Uh, I mean, Annie Coney Barrett isn't just religious. She's part of a religious cult called People of Praise. And people say she's going to bring the handmaid's tale. She actually is a handmaid in her in her cult uh, she is she has the title of handmaid, <laughs> and she has to obey the the, the leader etc um, so she 's you know often that ether and Brett Kavanaugh, actually, in addition to his you know, being harmful to women, what people don 't realize is he 's been a stone cold political operative, not a jurist uh, for most of his life. Uh, you and I, again, are old enough to remember the Clinton investigation. Remember reading in the New York Times and the Washington Post every single day, it seemed like, you know, Hillary Clinton is going to be indicted any day now, according to a source close to the investigation. Right. The source close to the investigation was Brett Kavanaugh. Um, I learned that from doing my biography of Bill Clinton. He um, had the role of, you know, we were praising Mueller and praising, um, you know, Garland for not leaking. Well, uh, Ken Starr uh, put, kavanaugh in charge of leaking <laughs> it oh, was wow. his job to leak to the press uh and he did it on a daily basis um and what's even funnier is not only did he leak to the press but what he leaked to the press was misinformation so that source close to the investigation was brett kavanaugh who was telling them things that were actually not true because guess what hillary clinton wasn't indicted was she
0: no no they couldn't
1: find it <laughs> and they had anything. nothing to indict her for
0: right what about Thomas? I always thought Thomas play. shouldn't be there yeah. because he was he was no. accused of sexual misconduct as well, yeah. and I thought why why are right. you putting him on and you know you look at the man and he looks like he could chew nails and spit out tacks,
1: he always looks angry and yes, well, he is an angry, aggrieved person, yes, absolutely. He's even said that that part of the reason he wanted to take this job was to you know get revenge on the liberals who had harmed him in some way. But look, the situation with Ginny Thomas is really, really serious. Yes, it is. Ginny Thomas is part of the conspiracy. She's part of the attempted coup. She was actually played a relatively important role. You know, we have texts between her and John Eastman, who's the guy who came up with the, you know, false electors plan. We have, you know, she was in touch with Richard Clark, who was supposed to be the uh, the the sort of fake attorney general who was willing to uh, say the election was stolen. And that's why Trump wanted to replace the acting Attorney General Rosen with uh, Jeff Clark, and only when the entire Justice leadership of the Justice Department, so they would they would literally quit. en Moss, including all the as- assistant and deputy Attorney Generals, did he not do that? And she was involved in you know pressuring uh, state representatives to send the false electors. She was uh, texting Mark Meadows saying uh, you know fight for Trump. Uh, we've got to win the election for him after it was settled. So so Ginny Thomas. Also should be in jail. Jenny Thomas was part of a conspiracy to overthrow the government of the United States. I mean we have gone from being the strongest most uh deepest uh, expression of democracy in human history to a banana republic in just yeah. a few years that 's how deep the corruption ha- ha- has gone and that and so quickly
0: and it's it's sad, but it, yeah, so quickly, and that 's actually not the first time um thomas has been involved with something that there was a conflict of interest and he didn't care
1: right right and
0: right, right. you know he and his wife and you can't say his wife isn't part of the supreme court because obviously there's things going on
1: there but so what do people yeah, allegedly they don't allegedly they don't talk about politics even though they're best friends and spouses right yeah, right you, do you, you believe, that?
0: believe
1: that <laughs> never <Don't>. believe
0: that <laughs> not for a second <laughs> So so when people are voting, and I'm talking any, any, you know, from the county recorder's office up to the presidency, yeah. what kind of, I always tell people, do your due diligence before you vote. Yeah. Don't just vote a straight ticket because you could be putting somebody in office who really doesn't deserve to be there. But if all you have is, you know, Wikipedia and what's going on in the news, how do you discern... Who is good to represent the country and and not themselves?
1: Well, look, I I think there are, I think there are, (laughs) it sounds like a funny place to start, but I I think there are Republicans with integrity. Mm -hmm. um, And so there are good Republican candidates. But as a party, they seem to have sided with autocracy. Uh, As a party, they seem to have taken, I mean, if, if they had impeached Trump, for example, you know, and said, okay, you know, this is what the Republicans did with Nixon. Right, The Republicans uh, backed Nixon until it was really shown you know, that, okay, he really had obstructed justice and that it was, it was on tape. Then they went to his office and said, look, sir, you need to resign. If you don't, we're going to impeach you, because they, they, they cared about the integrity of the country and they cared about the integrity of the democracy more than just supporting their guy. But,
0: but Nixon um, was a smart man. He, he, he could think
1: he, he didn't agree. react so much no i mean nixon actually was much smarter than trump and i think he had much more integrity than trump uh and part of his willing his willingness to leave was actually for the benefit of the country yes uh, and actually in his first election he may, he may have had the election stolen from him we don't know if kennedy really won but he knew it would be damaging to the country to 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 say the election was bogus so he uh, accepted the results so really, Nixon was not a disbeliever in democracy. You know, I mean, Nixon did care about uh, our democracy and about our way of life. Uh, He had a lot of views that I think, uh, you know, are wrong, you know, like the war on drugs. And he was someone who did have a lot, certain lack of integrity. There was sort of a criminal streak to him. You know, after all, he did approve a break-in of the Democratic headquarters. That was Um, so remarkable. So remarkable, but you know, it was like he had a crooked streak, but you know, he wasn't crooked from the tip of his toe to the you know ends of his hair, the way uh, uh, Trump is. And in the end, the party rejected him and oh. purged itself, cleansed itself. And in that sense, everyone felt like, hey, you know what, the system works. System, the system works Held. What about
0: Kennedy? Yeah. And you brought up Kennedy, and you know, yeah. I've kind of wondered about him too. He's obviously a narcissist, um, but.
1: Yeah. Well, also we've learned he was a much—he was a much more um, uh, sexually abusive person uh, than we uh, ever realized. Um, you know, we, we certainly know all about Bill Clinton, but actually, uh, there's a, a intern from the White House who actually uh, claims that he raped her, uh, and that he, he's very she, she's very convincing. Uh, so you know, uh, look, a lot of these people have feet of clay, and or a lot of these people have character flaws. Right. Maybe it's true that people who are able to get to this level of power have to have some degree of ruthlessness or narcissism or um hypomania. Um none of them are perfect. Um but we've just had a perfect villain. You know, we've had like a Batman villain, you know, it's like the Joker was president. <laughs>
0: Joker. <laughs> and he was referred to as the Joker many times. <laughs> So that's that's pretty sad. What about people? Because you you still have, and I I remember in the hearing they they had Steve Bannon come in, and mm-hmm. he's he's just adamant they're not going to, you know, keep me quiet about what he spews. He, I guess he's got a podcast, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he's a white supremacist, and he claims right. that you know that's out of his mouth, not mine. So what about Mm -hmm. people like that? Mm. They're just going to keep on, keep on.
1: Well, yeah, and that's why I think the prosecution is so important. Of course, he's been found guilty. He hasn't been sentenced yet uh, for contempt of Congress. Uh, I think anyone who refuses to talk to Congress should... should should be jailed Uh, if you refuse to show up to court for a traffic ticket they'll 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 put you in jail for contempt of court right so if you refuse to talk to congress uh and the entire congress votes for contempt then there should be criminal penalties but so far these people keep getting away with it keep shooting off their mouth right keep you know grifting and raising money uh off of these uh you know phony grievances uh, and, you know, enjoying fame and fortune uh, as uh, as these uh, uh, um, uh, insurrectionists and without paying any price. Uh, and that's got to change. Uh, and that's really one of my criticisms of Merrick Garland. Even if he eventually does do the right thing, justice delayed is democracy denied. Yes. Because every day that these people are out there hawking their wares and hawking their lies is a day that we're um, falling backwards.
0: I don't think people realize that one... When- uh trump won the one and he was running for president he applied for i think it was over 200 trademarks and he was awarded 20 something so every time they buy a sticker you know or contribute you're supporting him and i i thought for a while there i was thinking you know well he wants to prolong this because the longer he can prolong anything that's happening, he's making money hand over fist because Absolutely. all these people are buying well, flags yeah. and bumper stickers and hats and yada yada and you know, you're helping him get out of debt
1: <laughs> <laughs> Right, it's just going straight into his pocket I, I, I mean, uh, there was a, a recent article about this, uh, that some, like tens of millions of dollars have gone to a this, you know fund to fight for Trump or to fight to overturn the election and it's just going in his
0: pocket <laughs> Yeah, exactly It's, it's Pretty impressive how skewed the whole thing has become. It's too bad. Yeah. Do you think if they do do something with him and, and charge him with anything, that there'll be riots in the streets?
1: Um, maybe. Uh, so what? I, I mean, either we are a nation of laws or we're going to degenerate into an authoritarian state. It, you know, Those are our choices. Uh, I prefer the first one. If that makes some people mad, so be it.
0: Yeah, I think um, they have asked him not to run. The GOP has asked him not to run. And, you know, I I found it interesting that the the news announcement was, you know, if you run for office, we'll stop paying your legal fees. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they're paying his
1: legal fees? Right, I was going to say, why are they paying his legal fees in the first place? Yeah, no, he's totally, it, it really is sad how the Republican Party has collapsed you know um uh, i mean i've been the you know i've been a democrat i've been the loyal opposition but i have res- i've had respect for the republican party um i have uh people get mad at me about that um but uh i, I supported george bush uh, in the- for the war in iraq turned out to be a mistake but i did support him um so, you know but i also think that these i i believed and i think i wasn't wrong that these were people of integrity who cared about the nation who had a different different views, who, of course, had their own self-interest at heart, as we all do. But as you say, we were able to come together for the good of the country. We were able to hammer out compromises, uh, and the system of checks and balances worked. The system of checks and balances is completely collapsing now because instead of ambition- uh, tempering ambition, as the constitutional founders uh, hoped would happen, that, you know, senators would want to guard their power so they would both be supporting the president of their own party, but also opposing him in some ways, trying to keep their own fiefdom and their own interests of their own state of mind. Instead, they've collapsed into a cult, yeah. a cult surrounding the most, you know, damaged and damaging figure that's ever existed in American politics, and they've just become his abject slaves. And it's humiliating and horrifying and shocking.
0: Yeah, we were. I think things have um, cured a little bit. Not necessarily that Joe Biden was the answer, but he was the lesser of the two Mm. evils during the last election. Um, I've voted for a lot of Republicans. I'm an independent, and I'm going to vote for the person, Mm -hmm. not the party. And I've been doing that for decades. Mm -hmm. But it's. I hope we get some good people to run. Who do you think should run for office?
1: oh uh, <laughs> put you on know. the spot <laughs> <laughs> it's been making me crazy <laughs> trying to answer that question it's, it's i think it, it really uh is kind of scary actually and um to be almost a cause of despair that it doesn't seem like we have a really strong uh viable candidate uh, on the democratic side and i i'm not saying i i don't dislike joe biden i i like joe biden um, I just don't think he's a strong leader. Uh, and he's a really great a representative,
0: and you know he he's done what he he needs to do. And but you're right, I don't think he. And I think there should be an age limit. You know, I think there should be an he's age old, limit on. Br- it.
1: Yeah. Well, but he's all. I mean, the truth is he was never known to be the most brilliant person in, in, in the Capitol to begin with. You know, he, he was he was considered a good person. He was liked. He was respected. Um, but he wasn't um, a, 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 a huge intellect. Um, and I think the other problem with Biden is I think his in terms of his age, is he still locked into the model of politics in the 20th century that you and I were, were, were reminiscing about right. earlier in the show right. and feeling sad that it, he remembers when he would go out with his, you know, the guy who beat him up on the Senate floor, but then they'd go out and have a drink, and they'd kind of work it out together. That's the, the, the era he's trying to bring back, and yeah. I, I understand why he would want to do that, but he's not recognizing uh, the reality that we're in now. So for example the fact that he hasn't fired a joseph Gafari, you know he hasn't fired any uh, or, Will, or or louis dejoy any of these or the guy in charge of the irs any of these people who have been shown to be plants who literally corrupted their office right to be for partisan reasons well, he doesn't want to fire them because he doesn't want to look partisan firing these appointees because it'll look like he's firing their political purposes. Well, at this point, if somebody is playing for the, you know, the Russians, they should be fired. Yeah. You know, never mind if, if other people are going to accuse you of partisanship. So, unfortunately, I just think he's a little tone deaf to the moment right now.
0: Yeah, I would. I'm hoping that we get a couple of good candidates on both sides and we can have a real debate. And not you know the the phony debates that happened, but you know who knows.
1: Well, the Republicans are pulling out of the debates altogether. By the way, I don't know if you know that, but the RNC has said they will not participate in any presidential debate for twenty twenty (laughs) four. I didn't know that. So I think because they don't want a debate, they don't want you to be able to hear the truth. They don't want you to be able to have an unvarnished, you know. Without they don't want you to hear anything that doesn't go through the filter of Fox News,
0: well, that's pretty impressive. I didn't know that i I just assumed mm-hmm. you know debates are pretty I like debates because you can really get an idea of what a person's about that's right, and that's too bad yeah. i i do you think pence he acts like he's running for president? Do you think he's running?
1: Oh, he's running, sure, yeah sure he is. Well, and so is DeSantis, who I think is a frightening figure.
0: So we have to be really careful who we who we put in office for this mm-hmm. coming. So, what words of wisdom oh, yeah. do you have for us? We only have one minute left. What words of wisdom do you have for our voters? What should they be watching for?
1: Well, um, preserve democracy. Yeah. If we don't preserve democracy, um, our children will be slaves.
0: True that true that i want to thank you for coming on uh and answering my email i was so intrigued when i watched unfit and then i've been reading rocket man and in your other book here a little (laughs) craziness and it's fascinating it's absolutely fascinating to hear what everybody has to say because there's there's several authors in rocket man to hear what they all have to say about the same topic so thank you and thank you
1: for reaching out thank you for having me
0: And enjoy your weekend. Until next week, everybody, shop local, stay safe.